Despite my rampant digressions in the writing of this prologue, I'm sure my unsettledness is apparent, which is all that this is intended to reveal. Why I see little reason to go on in any way reminiscent of how I have in the past, my continuing spiritual decline coupled with my lack of conviction to contribute to a doomed society of fat, ignorant consumers. I see nothing at all worth doing at this point. Why even bother writing a book, getting a job? Sadly, this question is only faintly at the heart of this trip. I doubt I will return eager to contribute anything this society expects from me. This trip, more than anything, is my acceptance of these dreadful revelations. As I have alluded to, I am going to tear the floodgates down, something I have always wanted but have been too terrified to do. It is my hope that I will be struck once again by that overwhelming sense of understanding and purpose that my life will remain that my life will regain drive and direction, even if it is my own selfish striving for enlightenment, a feat which, I am very aware, I may never accomplish. As I said, this voyage of mine fills me with a kind of sickening anticipation and dread. This is something I have always been fearful of. I know how my mind can turn on itself, can tune into higher levels of reality only to terrify that other part of my mind whose job it is to maintain control. It is funny, the event I am in anxious anticipation for is one experienced nonchalantly by most everyone else. What makes me so different? Why am I so unstable? I know well from marijuana, one hit and I am unreachable, so inwardly turned that communication is difficult to say the least, and func functioning in any social situation is an ordeal. This is because my mind is spun into such a frenzy that ideas and images inundate me. So deep, complex, and relevant, heightened awareness of the true reality of this place and all the awe and terror which can be derived from it. It takes very well-controlled circumstances for me to attain that next level of perception. Usually this means complete isolation in an environment where it, which requires nothing more than my silent observation. Daytime, outdoor settings with plenty of life serve best. These circumstances can turn me into a petrified, unblinking ball of enlightenment. These situations have been among the most influential in my life. I owe a lot to these moments of unbelievable clarity. These moments have been increasingly infrequent in my life of late. And the truly all-encompassing ones, the ones upon which my contextual understandings of reality are based, could be counted on a few fingers. More and more, it seems, the true, overpowering, kicked-in-the-throat revelations I used to base my existence on have been fading into memories too distant for me to hold on to. I am stable again, which is no good. My mission on this trip is to remember how little I know about this immense place, to alienate myself once again from everything I presume to understand, to prove to myself the flexibility of perception. I intend to camp in the desert and to try psychedelic drugs, for better or for worse. This is not a new idea. It is one I have entertained for the last four or so years, one which fear has prevented me from attempting. I think at this point some history is called for. How far back to go? One of, if not the most defining moments in my life, took place in the summer of 2001, before my first semester at CSU. It was a camping trip. The night was, full, was a full-on party, Lots of people, music, alcohol. The following morning, most everyone left, save for myself and a few close friends. Although I had smoked pot dozens of times before, this morning was different. 
Most of it was standard issue, laughing and carrying on, hiking around, firing BB guns. Then as the four of us were hiking up a jeep road, myself at the back of the pack, I stopped. Everything was suddenly illuminated in a way I had never seen before, and time stopped. Time stopped while at the same time flowing forwards and backwards simultaneously. I looked out over this green valley in the mountains, and I felt the energy from the sun supplying every drop of its energy. In front of me were a number of plants, grasses, twisted bushes, and towering trees, growing and living before my eyes, sprouting, growing, and dying, only to see others sprout again. This was an eternal place I was witnessing. Everything cycling, growing, and dying. Not dying, but recycling. I can never put into words what I saw and how I felt. I myself ceased to exist. I was at once nothing and everything. I saw through to this other level of consciousness, this endless thing. I can't describe it. I felt God that day, in a way I don't think many people truly have. I saw how big and complex, how beautiful it all is, how our human existence is simply a part of this eternal playing out of energy. This moment filled an ocean of time. It stretched forever in both directions. Although I guess it only lasted a few seconds on our normally perceived time scale, I was still right there, a few yards behind my friends. My life has never been the same since that. The rest of the day, I saw the entire world differently, although I never had another moment like the first one. I understood for the first time what transcendence or enlightenment actually was, the transcendence of normal experience into those higher planes. This day changed my mind, body, and soul. I don't think you can ever fully recover from experiences such as that one. I looked God in the eye, and I had experienced time without boundaries. My perceptions had been shattered. The events of that day took a central place in my thoughts the rest of that summer and on into my first semester of school. It was during that time that I began seeking answers. Joseph Campbell provided many. I had been to the place where myths and religions derived. Stories of shamans and prophets bared uncanny similarities to my own new understandings. All my focuses shifted. I lost complete interest in the human-defined world. The immensity and beauty of the thing I saw, I knew, existed everywhere at all times. How could I devote my life to anything less than this incredible reality I knew was at the center of everything? How could I go to Hollywood and spend my days in studios filming commercials when I knew what was to be had? Despite nothing but wide-open doors and a promise of success on any conventional level, I dropped my major... I spent copious amounts of time reading, writing, and thinking about my new understandings. I came upon great inspiration, one after another. Books and classes all fed my, in, all fed my spiraling brain. Everything made so much sense. Botany, anthropology, even history classes, stories about life, animal, human, all made so much sense in my new contextual worldview. Speaking of senses, that was one of my most prominent and meaningful lines of thought. After experiencing the world in that other way, it was blatantly obvious that the human way of perceiving reality was but one of an infinite number. The abstraction of perceived reality, the limitation of minds and sense organs, my early notebooks and notes were overflowing with thoughts on this subject. I spent countless hours by myself, thinking nonstop. 
I went on hikes, found odd places to sit on campus and feel the sunlight and observe. My world was crazy that semester. I lived the college life, hung out with friends, went to parties, but through it all I lived with this other awareness, this knowledge which never left me alone for long. By chance I found, by chance I found Guy Murchie's incredible book, The Seven Mysteries of Life, and was absolutely amazed by his undertaking. His mindset was so in tune with my own, it was the most rewarding experience of the year. Reading his tome, then thirty years out of date, I knew throughout that I could write a similar book with all my insights which surpassed Murchie in, in some aspects. Reading and studying mythology and anthropology at the same time revealed to me beyond a doubt that religions were valid, albeit only to the founding culture, and that its roots drew from experiences such as mine. I became convinced that all the people of this world simply needed I became convinced that all the people of this world simply needed a new direction, a new path to the divine based on our modern understandings of the world. I felt it was to be my mission in life to travel into the heart of this ultimate mystery, finally to return and share the experience. Granted, I was young and naive, but I knew what I had. Thursday, June 15th, 2006. After waiting, well, postponing my departure because of the insolence of my minions, I finally left Fort Collins at about 11.30 a.m. I was unable to obtain the sacrament for this pilgrimage for the angering reason that the friend who told me 100% that he could acquire what I needed refused over a period of two and a half days to get it for me because he was afraid of what would happen to me. In short, he told me that unless he could come too, he would not let me set out to do what I had in mind. Pissed me off quite a bit. I told him in the same sentence when I originally asked him that if he were unwilling or unable to just let me know. I had other options, but he strung me along until, well, the very second I said screw it and left. So, this is not to be the trip it was supposed to be. I will be forced to continue dwelling on it and wait for my next good opportunity. That said, I am still in the desert with five days to do with as I please. Upon leaving Fort Collins, I was very much undecided as where to go. I decided while packing that if I couldn't carry out my quest as planned, I wouldn't go to the places I had intended. So I packed for a week as a hobo, leaving behind some key pieces of hiking and camping gear. Dope! I toyed with a number of ideas ranging from churches and Buddhist centers in Denver to just visiting Brady unexpectedly. For most of the drive down I-25, I was thinking I would camp in Crested Butte, but once I hit I-70 in the mountains, it was overcast and drizzly, so I figured the desert would be the more hospitable in the coming days than it, than it has been. Tentatively, I decided on Goblin Valley. Despite that decision, at the time of writing, I am at a campsite 15 miles north of Moab. I was too tired and unsure if I would even get a site at Goblin, so I figured Moab would be a good place to crash this first night. I backtracked a bit in the canyon and hit a 4x4 trail in the Honda, about 3 miles into the backcountry. There is literally nobody out here, as at least I haven't seen another soul so far. I'm in a tiny camp area called Cowskin, nestled in a small ravine next to a towering amphitheater-like wall of Navajo sandstone. My tent is on a west hill which faces the wall, and to the west is an expanse of soil and scrub and to the west is an expanse of soil and scrub-covered petrified dunes. I took about an hour and a half to finish that last sentence. I started writing, then decided, 
decided my view wasn't good enough to comment from where I was sitting, so I threw this book in my pack and set off on foot up a hill for an overlook. This resulted in a brief hike which brought me to a ridge where the amphitheater wall meets the ground, where I could see equally far, about 20 to 30 miles to both east and west. I climbed up as far as I could get on the narrow, crumbling exposure of rock on the wall, coming to a stop atop a weathered pillow of sandstone which made for an excellent platform on which to sit. I sat, staring tiredly out at the beautiful landscape. To the east, water-furrowed fingers of hummocky, petrified dunes flowed into a small canyon, the eastern wall of which was a tall rise of red-banded sandstone in front of a distant bluff that ran out onto the horizon. Eventually, this scape crosses that magic line and becomes the west, which is dark green-topped hills which eventually meet with the distant extremity of the towering wall upon which I sit. I spent a long time in that spot, tried to control my breathing and center myself. I really need to research Indian Buddhist meditation. I read about it in Joseph Campbell last night, and it really struck a chord with me. Such imaginative realities those Indians ascend. After about 45 minutes of dedicated meditation, which definitely did alter my mindset and calm me down, I resolved that I simply did not know enough to go any further than where I was. Frustrated, I just took a puff and let that enter the mix. It barely classified as a buzz, but it flavored my evening slightly. I returned to camp, it was already twilight, and sat writing till the stars were peeking through the fairly overcast sky, fairly paranoid of any sounds coming from the pitch black outside of this page under my headlamp. I have a pathological fear of animals in the wilderness since the whole bear incident. I never used to feel anxiety, true anxiety, about anything, let alone the diminutive coyotes which might be accompanying me. My pings are so bad I honestly am thinking of sleeping in the car. What the fuck is wrong with me anymore? Friday, June 16th, 2006. The day in brief. Woke up in the car, lazy, unmotivated, depressed. Took a nap in the passenger seat. Took a nap on the bench. Woke up at noon, decided to hike in the area. Went back and forth from the car three times. Tiptoed over the cryptobiotic soil sat in the desert looking at ants, finally smoked a bit, put it out, found the spot, spoke more, had my moment. I sat, meditating, eyes closed, focused only on breathing, while trying to contain any stray thoughts which arose. I tried to breathe in and out at a slow, steady pace, breathing in deeply before exhaling completely. I was sitting in the shade, a rare spot where nothing else had grown to claim the cool because of the eroding soil on the slick rock, banded, flowing downwards into a half bowl a drop-off, a gully. I smoked, thinking, this is why I am here, to have an experience. Why hold back now? Why wait until later? I smoked what I had, which was old, dry, and only moderately effective, but it did serve to heighten my thoughts, which is always a mixed blessing. 
in that the reality of everything can send me to dark, unsettling feelings. I wrote in this logbook at 3.40 p.m. that I plan to sit and wait as long as necessary for something to happen. Here's what did. I closed my eyes, breathed. My mind was swirling, so I tried to turn all that off. I tried to center my thoughts. With each patterned, deep breath, I imagined that as I exhaled, all of the universe was born and grew. The Big Bang, followed by the outward spreading of the universal space-time cone, everything evolving and expanding in the way I normally imagine. As the exhalation slowed, so did the expanding universe slow, only to stop, then reverse as I drew breath in, as deep as I could. Everything which just unfolded flowing completely in reverse until reaching a big crunch where my inhalation stopped. All to be repeated again and again and again. Breathe out, the universe is born. Breathe in, the universe dies. I tried to focus on this alone over many minutes, fighting off intruding thoughts. In my mind were two me's. One was me feeling this experience, the other calmly talking the other through it, as if disconnected from the experience, only to observe. But as often happens, I was visited by unpleasant thoughts, anxiety, fear. I began thinking, what am I doing out here? All alone? Nobody knows where I am, sitting in the wilderness, high with my eyes closed? I had twinges of panic. I instantly wanted to call it quits, to head back to camp, maybe even home. Since my bear incident, hiking alone in the wilderness has made me uneasy to say the least. In my mind, I knew there could be mountain lions in this area, way out in the middle of nowhere. It was just me and them. Eyes closed, trying to fight off the negative thoughts. I heard noises from behind me, and I plunged into fear. That unnatural childhood feeling of pit-in-your-soul fear. In my mind's eye, I saw myself sitting. All that I was thinking about existed outside of me, out of my center. I fought the anxiety. I felt sick. I wanted to leave. Then the me who was coaching said, No, this is why I'm here. If I can't deal with this now, how will I deal with it next time? I can't keep coming out here. This is it. I told myself, take it, take the fear, just sit and take it. I stopped fighting the bad thoughts and I let them in. Sickening fear, anxiety, what am I doing out here all alone? I could get hurt, I could get attacked. I heard sounds all around me. I let them be mountain lions. I pushed my anxiety. I brought out everything I could think of which makes me panic. I thought about dying in a hospital. The panic was similar to being in a hospital stuck full of tubes and needles. I asked, how do I ever expect to face my eventual possible hospital death if I can't face the thought of it now? I pushed it. I stuck needles in my veins. I brought out everything I knew about fear until my entire reality was nothing but fear. I was shuddering, sick. I told myself, center, center yourself. I coached myself through all the reasons I knew not to fear death. I coached myself in the pit of this all-encompassing fear. I felt it from the inside out, like it was an enormous ocean I was under, surrounded by. 
There was a breeze blowing. I felt it on my face, pulling me out of center towards some horrible object of fear. I coached myself calmly, sensibly talked my way through the terror. I could see the breeze blowing past me, pulling me with it in this stream of fear. I pushed myself back together against this wind. I put mountain lions all around me. I felt myself extending out to them from where I was sitting. I pulled it back in, like hands or walls pushing it all back together. I found my center in the middle of this reality of total fear. I felt calm, in control. When my thoughts would stray out of my center and make contact with that ocean of fear surrounding me, I would push it back in. I had allowed my natural fear to come in, and then I had pushed it as far as it would go, throwing everything I knew about what fear felt like as fuel into the fire. I pushed fear as far as it would go, and I centered myself in it, and I was in total control. Finding myself centered in this furthest extent of fear, feeling nothing but fear and my controlled existence in the center of it, I eventually asked, what else can I do? The next thing that came to me was sadness, and with that thought, I invoked sadness, utter sadness. I gave into it. I let it wash over me, complete sadness. I recognized the feeling, hopeless and helpless. I let it flow over me. Then, like fear, I pushed it. I brought out everything I knew about sadness. I forced myself into as much of it as I could. I thought of my parents dying. I thought of losing Kayla. I thought of the hopelessness of the world. I killed everything I loved until my entire reality was complete and total sadness. It was heavy and wet. I felt the need to cry. Again, I was constantly talking to myself, talking myself through it, telling myself all of the reasons why sadness was okay. I fought to center myself in the sadness, to push every thought back inside me, to be in control and complete acceptance. I felt a deep, calming hopelessness, letting everything I loved go, giving into it, and being in control of myself in the midst of it. I sat. My entire reality was complete sadness, and I asked myself, what next? In this deep, hopeless sadness, the thought which immediately occurred to me was joy. And the sadness suddenly shifted to joy, as if the sadness intersected at a line. I invoked joy, and it filled me completely. I was suddenly soaring. I saw the sun on my eyelids, and my consciousness was catapulted into the sky. I felt my head trying to float away from my body, a complete mental and physical high, flooding into me, surrounding me. Again I spoke to myself, push it, see how far it goes, and I brought out everything I knew about joy, and threw it like fuel into a fire. Childhood memories, seeing grandparents, getting gifts, playing, I thought of my family, I thought of friends, I pulled into myself everything that was good in the world. It felt like the whole world was being given to me as a gift, with no strings attached. I pushed it. I soared. I felt tears in my eyes. Myself was saying, this is real. This is as real as the sadness and the fear. Take it. Take it all in. I remained in control of myself. 
letting my entire reality become pure, absolute joy. It took concentration. I pushed any stray thoughts back inside and only allowed the joy to exist, me in control of it. Again I thought, what's next? And with that thought, I instantly thought of love. I invoked love, and again my entire reality shifted to love. From complete joy to love. I meditated on love. Just as with the others, I let it in. I felt it engulf me. I recognized the feeling, and then I pushed it. I brought it all out. Everything I knew about love. My family, me and Kayla, and the earth. It felt totally different from joy. Joy felt lofty and elevated, high and detached. Love was deep and connected. I felt the world taking from me all that I had, and in return, it gave everything. It was even better than joy. It was now not just taking everything good into me, I was part of it, giving myself completely, entering into something bigger. I fought against other thoughts, I focused only on love, everything I knew about how it felt, and my entire reality was complete, uncompromised love. I and my environment were one. I let love come over me, and I pushed it as far as it would go remaining in control of myself by centering myself, coaching myself. Again, I eventually asked, what's next? And the thought which occurred was peace, and I invoked peace. It was right there, after having faced, accepted, and controlled myself in the midst of absolute fear, sadness, joy, and love, I had only to invoke peace, and it was instant and total. It was completely different from the others. It spread out in all directions and was as solid and unwavering as a board. That's how it felt, like a solid board. I felt absolutely calm. It was spreading out over everything. Everything was a part of it, and I needed to do nothing but focus on how it felt. I sat there for eternity, complete peace. My entire reality was solid and all expansive. I saw myself sitting in my environment. I and everything else had only an outline, soft and white. I saw my outline in the sea of white, of everything else. I was everything else, and I felt nothing. Beautiful nothing. I just was, and that was all that was required. Absolute peace.
The last thought which came to me, almost out of nowhere, like an afterthought, was beauty. And then I opened my eyes, and I looked at my surroundings, and I saw what I had been waiting to see. Like I had seen it before, but not for a long time. I saw everything growing and living at once. I saw the rock formations as billions of tiny grains of crystal, organized pattern elements, all of which having originated somewhere else, only temporarily in their present arrangement. Looming, weathering under the influence of water, becoming fragmented, then soil, then plants, plants becoming animals, energy from the sun, life, death, cycles, patterns of patterns of patterns of patterns. I looked at it all in awe, knowing what I was looking at, but wanting to know it all, wanting to feel it and be it all. I clawed at it with my mind, tried to fathom its immensity, wanted to wrap myself in it. I wanted it all, and I couldn't have it. Looking at the beauty which surrounded me, and of which I was a part, my mind raced all over. I thought of my journal, how I could record and capture this, how I would be able to explain what had just happened to me with other people. And with this breaking concentration, the experience came to an end. I was me again, sitting there. Everything was heightened, and I picked up on the beauty I saw behind everything. But I was separate again, in it, of it, but separated in thought. And that was my experience. I began writing in this journal, and I looked at the time and wrote it down. 3.50 p.m. This experience which felt as if it lasted for an eternity, had all taken place in the span of 10 minutes. <laughs>